Hi guys, welcome back to My Steps to Sobriety, the show on YouTube channel and uh, as a podcast with me, your host, Stefan Neff. And today I've got a quite precious and important guest that I'm so proud to have on the show, Leslie McNabb. Leslie reflects all those people out there that live with a person in addiction or hopefully now in sobriety. These are the true heroes. These are the real heroes out there because they have been there and they hopefully stayed there and supported a loved one, which for sure, in my case, would have not been a very easy task to do. So I'm so pleased that Leslie agreed to, to share her insights with me. And yeah, I send my heartfelt welcome to you, Leslie. Welcome to my show. Thank you, Stefan. Thank you so much for having me here. It is quite hard to admit out in public that the beautiful life that you would like to portray on Facebook and on Instagram and the beautiful house and maybe the doggy and the nice car and a beautiful loving relationship. Yeah, about that. Uh, that's unfortunately not always there. It certainly wasn't for me. I'm a doctor. I'm an alcoholic in recovery. And of course, I portrayed to the outside that everything was honky-dory. And in reality, my life was a mess. I was a mess. I was broken deep inside. And it took quite a bit for me to realize that. And I don't know what I have put my wife and my children through. It was for sure not a nice journey. So firstly, I commend you for, for putting the mask aside and sharing with me and with the viewers and listeners out there the true story, the true Leslie, the true experiences that you have had, which for sure you would rather like to keep hidden. Can you... It is, oh, sorry. I was just going to say it is a fine line of where your own story starts and begins and where it overlaps with your partner so it's um it is tricky and it definitely is has to be i think a joint decision on whether to recover out loud and to tell your stories i think it definitely needs to be something that's discussed among partners to recover out loud what a beautiful way of putting it uh that is fantastic so your partner knows that you're on the show here today he is obviously yeah. supporting you. <laughs> He's my biggest supporter, as I hope that I am as well for him. Oh, yeah. beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. Because uh, there was, uh, was there at the start, was there quite some shame and some guilt there for him? Or did was he able to embrace the recovery process and took it on the chin? Yeah, he had 20 years plus worth of shame. And when I met him, he was not recovering out loud. Um, he was sober at the time. Um, but about a year into our relationship, he had relapsed and, um, and then went into a court-appointed treatment facility, um, which was not successful. Um, and 
he still had a lot of shame. So yeah, I didn't tell anybody that time. Um, and then, oh, let's see, about six months later, he entered willingly his own treatment facility, um, you know, by his own choice. And like from a couple days in, like he knew that he was not going to keep this a secret anymore and was, you know, going to tell everybody that he met that he was in recovery. And so um, it really just became over time conversations between us. Um, and, uh, and yeah, I think it's really important to see other people who have your experiences and to see what can be and um, to know that it's not all like you said, you know, roses and flowers or sunshiny days, unicorns, whatever. <laughs> so true, isn't it? Yeah. Did and he, how did he describe that to you? Or what did you witness yourself when he was the second time in, in rehab? Was that a, a four week program, three week program? Four months. For a month. And four uh, months. was he four secluded months. to start off with? Uh, or could you visit? Did you, was that close to you guys? Yeah, um, I'm trying to think when our first visit was, I feel like there were a couple weeks before I could visit. So he was there for four months and um, 15 minute phone calls twice a day. And, um, you know, that's pretty telling when you can keep a relationship alive with, with that. But, um, he knew pretty early on, I would say after one month, he knew he wanted to become a, a chemical dependency counselor himself. Oh, wow. Yeah. So that definitely would require being open about your story, right? So, um, yeah. And when he entered treatment, it was it was rocky. It wasn't like, Oh, I'm definitely in this for the long haul. Cause I had already seen him in one position. You know, I'd seen him sober a couple times and put a lot of faith and hope that that was going to be it. That was going to be the fix. And so this time was different. Um, and it was different because instead of focusing on him, I started focusing on me and what I needed to do. So there are two, two journeys planning out here, planning out here between, uh, that, are, that are closely intertwined, but it is clear, it's beautiful that you distinguish that because as many relatives of patients do, that I see that in, in the intensive care unit, in, in other circumstances as a, as a doctor, I see that the whole focus is only on this person. And in the intensive care unit, they, people didn't care about Uncle Joe. And suddenly there's all the guilt in them. Oh my God, and he's, he is sick. And then they are there 24 seven and no food, no water, no drink, no sleep. We are just there for him, for him, for him. And completely neglecting the person here that needs to be nourished, literally, as well as spiritually, emotionally, etc. So it's so beautiful that you, that you 
distinguished that already this early in, in, in our interview. Sometimes I have to, to remind people that actually, hey, it's about you. It's about you, not just about the other guy. Now, very good. Um, so, were you, do you have your own journey as far as alcohol is concerned? Have you previously uh, enjoyed alcohol maybe a little bit more than, than you like to? Well, he likes to joke that I am like the most straight-laced, sober, you know, never tried any drugs of my own, which is true. So it's kind of funny that we matched up. Um, he probably, um, he probably admired that, you know, we were getting to know each other um, and thought that I would be a safe person to be with, right? Because I didn't have my own issues. Now I have, alcoholism definitely runs in my family. I have family members that I've seen over time just, um, you know, struggle with that. I've never saw an example of recovery really in my family. Um, so I didn't have any experience with that. Um, I've seen people's lives just kind of, you know, get torn apart from alcoholism. And I can't really think of anybody that I knew specifically who was in recovery. So I didn't really have much experience with, with either. Um, my immediate family members, I didn't see that. Um, so it was pretty, it was a new world for me. And that's, that's what alcoholism is. It's a hidden disease. It is, it is something that plays out in the darkness behind closed doors when the, the jealousies and, and the, the, the windows are closed. No one wants to let anyone in. And that even in, in recovery and sobriety nowadays, that for some people, that's still the same thing. They keep their cards very close to the chest. And I guess that's the reason that I'm sitting here doing this interview with you because I have been there. I have been in the gutter. I crawled back from the abyss with the help of my wife. And I want to teach the people out there. I want to show the people out there that you can live the most beautiful life, a life that you could have never imagined, imagined before you stop drinking and even when you when you stop drinking you still are, are broken you're still trying to figure out who you are what you are but what is waiting down the line if you do the work if you do the steps if you do the, those little micro habits that will define you and will get you to the vision that you create of the new you it's the most beautiful thing and that can be such a rewarding story for you as the partner who has been there, but being part of that journey is equally a tremendous challenge. Because if you have never been involved in, in a recovery or sobriety, a positive active thing, you don't know what to expect, you don't know what to do. And there's probably not very much written out there, is there? When you, when you were in that situation, what was sort of the help that you could find? What was mm -hmm. out there? So I went to therapy. I have a, a, a therapist that I saw that was really important to my own recovery. Um, and I went to 12-step meetings, um, Al-Anon and Nar-Anon. 
And I went in there. Sorry, just, uh, not all of us, not all of our listeners will, will know what oh, the yeah. hell we're talking about. It, okay. I've explained it in my book, but just run it for, for me. Sure. Al-Anon and Naranon are the partners to Alcoholics Anonymous, Narcotics Anonymous, for family and friends of anybody who is struggling with addiction or an alcoholism um, or is in recovery. So it's really for those people. And some people attend both because some people have it in their families or they have friends um, and have also had that journey themselves. So, um, so I attended those meetings with the intention of, okay, they're going to tell me how to help him. <laughs> and then I, after sitting through a meeting, I was like, oh, they're not going to tell me how to help him. They're going to tell me how to help me and where I need to focus. So that's where I really was taught to focus on myself and my own self-care. Well, that's actually a very beautiful and positive outcome because I certainly have also spoken to people who were in certain Al-Anon meetings where it was again, a bitching game, uh, mm -hmm. who could outbitch the other, typically female, uh, I mean, it, it so happened to be in this particular group, and everyone was bitching about their husband, what he did, and then he had an affair, and how dare he, and there was anger and resentment was, was brimming in the meeting, rather than positive things, uh, the, the things that are so important. To, teach you how to look after yourself so i'm really pleased to actually that you that you had that ex experience it could have been very different just because meetings around the world are very very different beasts so you cannot really compare them can you did you I go to one one group alone or did you did you actually get the experience of a variety of meetings a variety I tried of a couple different ones just uh -huh. to fit my schedule trying different ones locations um and I, sorry, there's some noise. <laughs> Might want to cut that out if you can hear. My kid's running around. Um, so um, I have had that experience with some online, I've, I'm part of some online Facebook 12-step meeting groups, and I see a lot of um, unhealthy behaviors from family members, like, what does this look like? What drug does this look like? What do you, you know, complaining, just a lot of complaining. So I definitely can see how, um, you know, people have had that experience in meetings. Um, and yeah, it definitely depends on the leadership in the meetings. And I recommend trying different ones, like you said, um, to find the ones that fit. Indeed. And indeed, I mean, Al-Anon is it's a beautiful, beautiful thing. But in reality, looking here in New Zealand, there is only in the large towns uh, that you have that, you know, there may be three, four or five bigger, bigger areas where you might find that support. If you're in a smaller town, uh, you will find lots of AA meetings, but typically not the support for the spouses and, and relatives of people who, who live in addict, addiction or sobriety. And that's a bit of a shame, but then at the same token, for those of you out there who have not got this chance to have an organized group of helpers, uh, attend an AA meeting, see what this is all about, because you get initiated, you get 
introduced to the thought processes that are behind an active recovery. So it is actually, it can be very powerful and can also be very powerful, I guess, for your loved one if you actually go there and literally hold his hand. Because the first yeah. time, if he will go to an AA meeting, he will feel as if he is about to drop his trousers and has a rectoscopy that is probably about as uh, a piece as as <laughs> similar in 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 the thoughts as it can be. Wow, you you did it. You went to the groups. Did the groups were the groups it? Was that the way you found, hey, this is helping me, and with that I, I go on my journey? Was that it, or did you struggle? Um, so at the same time that he was in treatment, I was training to become a yoga teacher. Um, at the same time, he was both in active addiction and during treatment. Um, so I was there to teach others, but I was learning so much more for myself. And so whereas the Al-Anon and Naranon meetings, and yes, I love to attend um, AA meetings myself too. I love listening to leads and um, people's stories. Um, so I, they talk a lot about self-care, but I still was like, I need to work on the tools. So what, what it, does my self-care look like? And so a lot of exploration and um, yoga, meditation, um, taking classes, um, nourishing myself with wonderful food, um, physical movement. So all of these things I was learning what worked best for me in my self-care. Um, so it definitely wasn't just the meetings. Um, and that's where, you know, I felt like I could speak to people because of my yoga teaching. And I thought I can bring this to people and I can and help people with their self-care. And that's so important. Uh, it is when I, when I was at my lowest, my wife said enough is enough. And behind my back, she had organized a rehab for me. So on a, uh, on a Tuesday morning, I woke up and had my family around me who basically told me, that's it now. On Friday, we have uh, booked a place for you. You will go there and we're going to drive you there. We make sure that you know that we love you, but you're going there. So I went in there. And as you said, the first two weeks, there was no contact with my family. And then they came up for a Sunday afternoon visit. And, and then four weeks later, I came out. The new and improved version. Version Stefan 2.0. Completely rebooted up there. And cool. I had all the tools. I worked bloody hard. I really worked hard on my recovery. I took it on as a challenge. And I tend to succeed in challenges. So I came out and I actually loved it. And I came home and I thought, yeah, these and these, you know, I did it. <laughs> what I did not realize is that meanwhile, my family had ground on. They just continued their daily battle because 
suddenly, I mean, my recovery cost me, or my rehab cost me $27,000. Um, there was the fee, which we didn't have. So my wife took out loans and did all kinds of things to actually get the money together. Um, she was single mum for a month. Uh, she looked after the kids, sorted her job out, did all those kind of things, dealt with the little emergencies here and there and everywhere. She had zero support. Mind you, I'm, I'm wrong. Um, some of the school teachers um, of, the, of my boys actually brought food to her and were there as lending an ear and showing empathy and love. But that was about it. Ultimately, she had she had fought another battle here, ongoing, just one day after the other. And here I came home, yay, look me, and I've got all these skills and tools, and are you not proud of me? <laughs> there she was, exhausted as hell. <laughs> and this, this discrepancy between expectations and reality was brutal, brutal. Did you have a similar experience? How was it when, when your husband came home? Um, was there a similar, strange? Yeah. So, um, I'm trying to think. There was definitely, um, the first time he went into treatment, I was like, yes, like, okay, it's all better now. And so this time there was definitely more hesitation. And I was like, this is going to take time to build back the trust. Um, and so it was not easy. It was not easy, you know, because it is traumatic seeing your partner, you know, kind of dwindle away and just fear for their life on a daily basis um that's trauma so every little sign of you know the phone like making a phone call waiting for him to call me back and all those little things um can kind of spark that traumatic experience so did, did you smell his breath what were your oh. your tricks to figure out has he been drinking my wife you know, did that for a good year yeah. after. Yeah, yeah. And it's like sometimes when you're not even trying to, you still like, your brain wants to find all the warning signs and you have to remind yourself of the growth that has been built. You know, what are the positive things I've seen? Hmm. Um, and yeah, you really have to retrain your brain um, and it's not like you're like, oh, forget it. I don't care what you do. You know, it's not like you've totally gone the other direction, but um, it's, yeah, it definitely takes time. And like you said uh, earlier about this wonderful new life, it's a new relationship. And so there's no going back to normal. Um, and that's a good thing. Mm. So, you know. Agreed. Agreed. We're two and a half years in now since, you know, he's been in recovery and there's still changes. There's still growth that I, I witness every week. Um, and it's really amazing. And I joke often, I, I say like, everyone should be with someone who's in recovery because it's so amazing when, you know, <laughs> it's working well. I agree. Um, I agree yeah. because you go from, 
from being a strange kind of complacent, a strange kind of taking everything for granted and full of resentment, anger, and as all the others, and you don't do anything on yourself, you're stagnant. Mm -hmm. And to a, to a place where you are empty and you think, who am I? You try to redefine yourself. You take the first little steps and before long you're walking and before you long you're actually in a little jog and before long you're in, in in an endurance race and i'm seven years down the line and i still keep going exponentially up and up and up in my creativity in my passion for living it is scary at times the amount of energy i have inside the warmth the the the, the yeah I, I, literally a a, a ball of heat that wants to come out and wants to just explode and show how beautiful life can be. It is a, one of the most beautiful feelings. I could have never dreamt about that when I was drinking or for that matter, in the first one or two years afterwards, I was empty. I was mm -hmm. empty. I was still full of mm -hmm. guilt and full of, mm -hmm. full of not nice feelings. Yes, I told my family a lot of things. I told my wife that I love her and that I'm really sorry. And one day she said, look, you don't need to tell me that. I know that, but I've heard it so many times from you. You lied so many times to me. Okay. I think, you know, words do not do it justice. Just stay sober. And that's what I talk in my book about, the living amends. Mm. Sometimes you just need to shut up and live your life with integrity and humility and show people with your actions what you really are made of and what you truly believe and but then uh, moves into action and becomes the real you mm -hmm. that is the key message that i want to send to the part not to the partners to the to the people in recovery uh, if you're, especially if you're in the first year, second year, this is, you're nowhere near where you will find yourself. And sometimes talking is not enough. Um, you need to walk the walk and prove that you are that amazing being, that your wife, your partner knows is in there. You just need to show it. You need to rediscover it yourself and then share it with the people around you. Not in big, big moves and big things. You don't need to buy her a car. You don't need to, to buy him a holiday somewhere. No, it's the little things. It's, and that's so, so, so important. And those little things for the partners and spouses watching are going to help your trust build. Mm. It's not something that you can just decide, I'm going to trust him now. And, you know, it's just automatically going to be there. <laughs> um, you know, just trust the process and, you know, you can have all the hope mm. you want. Um, but just trust that as they, on a daily basis, start, like you said, walking the walk, that it, it will come. Were there times when 
your partner was using psychology on you uh, when uh, what happened with me, my wife is a nurse, so she has got a, she knows uh, uh, certain ways how to, to talk to people to, to de-escalate a conflict, to, to solve something, uh, to let it not get out of control. And this kind of de-escalation process, however, however gently you try to do it, if someone knows what you're doing, it is so blatantly obvious. So there she was having a hissy fit about something. And I wanted to say, well, you know, I wanted to say, just calm down. And you never say calm down. So I used <laughs> de-escalation in a medical sense, etc. And she said, don't psychology me. <laughs> and it was, <laughs> it was for her, it was blatantly obvious that I used the tool that I learned in rehab and now wanted to sort of de-escalate and I wanted to do the right thing. And she hated it. <laughs> was there something like that with you too? <laughs> yeah, well, he's a counselor now, so I hear that all the time, and he's become such a better listener because he's a counselor, too, yeah. um, and so I actually enjoy that, that he has learned this, because I ask him now for advice in other situations, like, what do I do in this situation, and he'll say, well, it sounds like, and, you know, speak his counselor, speak to me, and... Um, <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> brilliant. Oh, brilliant. At least at least you appreciate it. And so yeah. it is. And nowadays, seven years down the line, my wife appreciates it too. Yeah. She has taken a lot of the, the lessons that I learned the hard way. She took on by watching me. And so that's actually a very beautiful thing. And therefore, also for those of you out there who are still in the throes of just during the end of addiction or start of the of the sobriety and you're watching it uh, there is a beautiful future waiting for you hopefully out there because because you are growing he is growing or she is growing I mean, uh, guys when I use he or she it's I'm coming from a classic model there are women and there are men and we love each other kind of a thing sometimes we hate each other and yes of course there are many many L, L, um, LGBTQ plus uh, people out there, please don't don't get offended if I use the, the labels of he and she. Um, I, I just mean it the way it was meant, innocently, okay? But yeah, it is, uh, there's a beautiful life waiting. And if you, if you are happy to work with the person you love and do the right care yourself, but Leslie, as you said, it can be very hard for people. What would you, what would you advise? Let's say you're going to, I don't know, a fitness club and you look around and there is this woman spalling her, her, her eyes out and you say, look, what's going on? And she says, my husband is blah 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 and it's it's clear his addiction he has just gone into rehab and i'm losing it i don't know what to do what would you say what would you what would your initial response be my initial response would be you're not alone and um you know i'm here for you because i've had that experience but there are so many people who can support you and I, it can feel very lonely when, especially when you're keeping all the secrets 
Um, you're trying to, like you said, have this outward appearance that everything's okay. And um, support is the biggest thing. It's the first thing. It's the biggest thing to have somebody that you can trust to talk to. Um, because like you said, your wife had friends who could empathize, but they may not have those experiences themselves. So it's Exactly. It's really important to find somebody who's had those experiences um, too. And those other friends are wonderful. And I have friends like that too, who are like, I'm here for you and um, you know, whatever you need. But I also had one really close friend who, whose daughter was in recovery. And I, and I was like, what do I do when he, right before he went into the second treatment, and she really, you know, said, hey, this is what I did. And we try not to give advice because our situations are not all the same. But, hey, this is what I did. Um, and, and you can figure out, too, together what, what works best for you. Um, so that I value her friendship and her guidance so much. I mean, I can sit, I can imagine myself sitting at the table with her you know, I was crying and we were drinking tea and, you know, she was just this calming presence that I needed mm. um, to let me know that I could be okay no matter what. Mm. And that, you know, cause it was kind of this decision of, do I stay in this relationship? You know, if it's going to keep going like this. Um, and she kind of helped me remind me that I'm going to be okay no matter what. And um, so that person who would confide in me, I would say, you know, you can be okay, but you know, you're not alone. And again, as we're coming full circle, because again, you're actually focusing on the girl that is sitting there and crying and focusing on her journey. Mm -hmm. And I guess we should not forget that this is the ultimate responsibility of ourselves to look after ourselves remember when you're in the aeroplane and they do the safety breathing they will tell you at some stage oxygen masks might fall down the very first thing you do is you put it on yourself then you treat the other person what we, 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 we might remember that in an emergency in the aeroplane but for sure in daily life we we think often enough I'm, I'm as guilty as charged here. I think about everyone else first, and then finally about me. And yeah, even now in recovery, I have to sometimes stop myself and say, hang on, when was the last time you've had a glass of water? When was the last time you actually uh, just step back and, and whoa, yes, there are a lot of things going on. None of them are your problems. There's a lot of shit happening to that person. Oh my God, I'm really sorry for that person. But you know, his circus, his monkeys, not your problem. Look after yourself first. And that's something that becomes even more important when you're actually really close to a person, a loved one, someone you rather not would like to see to be in that situation, but because you're so close, it hurts so much. And I think that's it. It is... It is, you wouldn't be in the position that you are if you wouldn't love this person. Right. And if you wouldn't love him so much, it wouldn't hurt so much to see him like that. Right. So that's, that's brutal. And 
like you were saying with your oxygen mask, you know, we want our partners to go to get treatment, to um, get help, and we're expecting them to become their best selves. So are we too becoming our best selves? Woo! Are we? <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. My goodness. We are shifting from victim of, uh, of the situation to taking ownership. Goodness gracious, what a beautiful move. I wondered how I introduced that. And here you're coming out with the most important soundbite. Yes, love it, love yeah. it. Because it takes two to tango, okay? Mm -hmm. It is, uh, when there's a row, there is his story, her story, and then there's the truth. So let's not forget that. Because it was, I found that hard for me. Because my wife, however much I love her, she can be a royal bitch. And she has got her own issues and she has got her own problems. So, it, yes, I was the guilty part as far as the drinking was concerned. But when you row, there is, you know, two sides. Um, so, yes, the ownership is there definitely on, 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 on you in this case with your partner. But it's hard to see that, isn't it? When mm -hmm. you are hurt, embarrassed, humiliated, maybe even physically hurt, because there might have been physical altercations. Hell, mm -hmm. you are not thinking about that aspect, do you? Mm -hmm. And I think, I mean, and I guess we both need to acknowledge that whilst we come from a position of hope that we wants to help the other person and that we want to show our love. There are other situations where you have to be far more cautious with your own safety. And whilst you might in the long run stay with a person, that might not necessarily mean that you might not have to look after your own safety first. So if the house is burning, you have to get out of the house. Yes. If there's physical violence, if there is drug-induced or alcohol-induced physicality, um, get the hell out of there. Seek yes. the help that you need because you need to put yourself and maybe your children first. Your mm -hmm. relationship may or may not exist down the line, but you need to look after yourself first and seek help. Please, please, please. That is so important. Do yes. you come across, do you, do you come across in your work now? And I'm, I'm jumping a little bit ahead. Maybe before I ask that question, um, I want to lead towards you, Leslie, and to the work that you have been doing now, because over the last two and a half years, you have been developing yourself. You have grown and you have found a passion to help other people to look after their loved ones, to support them in the right way. You want to make sure that others don't find themselves in the same frustrating place that you had found yourself. Can you tell me a bit about that? What are you doing nowadays? And, and that's for sure what many of the listeners in this podcast or in this YouTube channel now will want to know. How the hell did you do it? And 
what can I do now if I find myself in that position? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the main struggles that I had, um, because again, you know, we really want our partner to get into recovery, to get into treatment. That's really just the beginning. And then this is a lifelong journey. Mm. So um, some of the struggles I had in the beginning were worry um, and, you know, how do I deal with this worry that keeps coming back? Um, and there are definitely practices that I do, physical practices um, through yoga that help with worry. There's a lot that you can do with medication, or not medic. you can do medication, medication. That's, if that's what you need, then that's great too. Um, therapy, um, so I was gonna say meditation, breath practices, lots of things you can do physically to help move that worry through your body because we can hold on to things and different parts of our bodies and um, that can really lead to pain and injury and health issues down, down the road. Um, so yoga practices, definitely um, I use those in my teaching um, and helping people to become present because a worry is an anxiety is that you know pro projection of what what might happen in the future um, and so just bringing back to the present um, so I have a support community and um, we we meet online especially now because <laughs> everybody's been online lately um, and we practice yoga and we practice meditation and we have self-care socials where we just talk to each other about, you know, our situations and, and find out what other people are going through. And it really builds um, bonding and friendships. Um, and yeah, so that's kind of, that's what I do is I gather people. I like to bring people together. Um, I like to share my story in the hopes that it will, it will be um, of support to somebody else. No doubt, because when you're living that life, that hidden life, it is so terrorizing and so lonesome a place to be, to find yourself in. So to actually come out and meet others we're sharing the same plight. We're exactly in the same boat. And sometimes you listen to another story and think, bloody hell, it is, I've got it easy here. And uh, that is the most, the most beautiful thing. It is to, to be able to stop hiding yourself, to come out, talk about it, and to experience that freedom in yourself that you are amongst like-minded people that no one will judge you, that no one will, will think, oh my God, look at that. No, no, no. The others are just as broken, just as hurt, just as emotionally bleeding as you are. And therefore, these, such a community like yours, Leslie, is, is gold, is gold for, for, for people out there who are looking for help. Wow. How do people find you? How can people get hold of you? 
Yeah, so Rise with Recovery is the name of our community and risewithrecovery.com is the website and Rise with Recovery on both Facebook and Instagram. Mm -hmm. And since I started Rise with Recovery, four people in my neighborhood have joined that community that I didn't know were also partners <laughs> I was like I could just stop there because I just you know that's what it's all about and um, you know bringing people together and I've had people say thank you because now I'm taking walks with that person and we're sharing resources and um, so that's why I keep showing up because um, you know it's it's, it's what I need and I'm going to continue to need for the rest of my life. I'm going to need support always. And, um, and so that's where people can find me. <laughs> I love that. I absolutely love that. I, I wrote much of my book over the, the Christmas holidays. So when, when we first came back in January to, to work, I was in the, in the changing room and got changed. And, and next to me was one of my surgeons who had come in. I said, Oh, how are you? How are you now? How was your Christmas holidays? What did you get up to? I said, I wrote a book. And he said, oh, cool. About what? About, you know, recovery, about sobriety and, and, and the lessons I've learned. He looked at me. What did you do that for? And I thought, that is a weird response. And I just said, you know, it was good for me and, and et cetera. And we went to different theaters. A few hours later, I got a text. Um, Stefan, can we talk? And he had just lost his wife. Uh, mm. He, after a long journey of alcohol himself, and he was just getting sober. And I guess this came so out of the blue. I had no idea about his story because like, like me, he had put the perfect mask in front of there. And it will be the same with many people out there. Once you actually come out, once you actually are honest about your own journey, you will be amazed who comes out of the woodwork, who turns out to be your new friends, mm -hmm. new people you can talk to that you would have never thought possible. You would, they might be socially from a complete different background. They might be very different to you and your belief system, yet you're suddenly bonded by this very strong bond that you that feels a bit like family, that feels a bit mm -hmm. like intuitively you can trust that person because it is such a traumatic experience that you both are going through. It's maybe similar to the similar to a bond of soldiers fighting together. Uh, on the battlefield, they will tell you they are there for their brothers. They are not fighting for their country. They are fighting for the men next next to them. It is actually in recovery. It is a little bit similar, whereas it's certainly I'm I'm encouraged and I'm proud when I see someone else turning from broken to blossoming and 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 coming out and that is certainly for the person in recovery but also to see then a relationship blossoming and changing and and suddenly see a new new couple there is wow wow and you you described it yourself earlier you said you can't go back to where you were you might wish to you might say oh it was so beautiful when you got to know each other well no no that was then. That was the past. Now, your duty, 
your privilege is to create that new partnership, that new relationship, that new you for that matter, and move forward. And that's, that's beautiful. Oh, that's so great. Leslie, it's fantastic that, that people are like you are out there. So absolutely, I'm, I'm so grateful that you came today onto my show and shared some of that. Because it just means you guys out there, you're not alone. Okay, there are people like Leslie out there who are lending you a helping hand, who share their experiences. You don't have to make all the mistakes yourself. You can actually just learn from the mistakes of others. Remember, when you put a power team together, you always want to be the most stupidest part of that team. So get people like Leslie, who have been there, done that, and had the frustration and the tears for it. Uh, you know, let them tell you, let them teach you, let them share their experiences. So I hope you guys, uh, if there's one thing you take away from this podcast, from this, this video, is that, that you're not alone and that I encourage you to seek the help that you deserve and that you guys create a vision of the future, of you yourself in that future, and then take small steps every hour, every day towards that vision of the beautiful you. And I'm sure that beautiful you is having a beautiful relationship, hopefully with the person that you are now supporting. But it is, it's, it's work. You're working recovery. You're not just sitting around in recovery. It is something that you need to do. And uh, it is a beautiful work as far as I'm concerned. And certainly my wife and me, we have become so much better people by doing that work. So no, it's brilliant. Leslie, thank you so much. So for you all guys, I've put Leslie's links down there uh, in the YouTube description as well as in the podcast description. So there are the links to her fantastic work out there. And uh, if you're interested, check her out. I do believe you've written a book as well, haven't you? Uh, or you're in the process? Yes. So I have an ebook that's out there. Oh, it's called Accelerate Joy, Hitting the Worry Breaks When Your Partner is in Recovery. Fantastic. I have not read that up. Normally, I, I take pride of actually reading the books before I get my, my uh, guests onto the show. In this case, things got a little bit helter-skelter, but it is so important, A, that I've interviewed you, B, that I now am keen to read your book. So I'm going to look forward to having a look through that and maybe discussing it with my wife and see what she thinks and then leave a nice review uh, for your book. That would be amazing. Thank you so much for having me on here. I appreciate oh, absolute it. pleasure. Absolute pleasure. Leslie, thank you so much. All you guys out there, look after yourselves. Think what you want to be when you grow up and then work hard towards that beautiful person. Bye. Bye.